Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. It's time for our third holiday horror movie, Mm. Christmas or holiday-themed horror stories. Uh, This week, we watched Christmas Evil... From 1980. Also known as You Better Watch Out, which incidentally is a movie we reviewed in 2019, the 2016 movie You Better Watch Out. Are they related? They are not related. Okay. Because I did not make a connection there. No, but like last year when we did the pairs of movies, that would have been a great pair. Yeah. Christmas Evil is like a long episode of Criminal Minds. Kind of. You're not following cops in any way. It's barely see them. Yeah. It's like a long episode of Criminal Minds if Criminal Minds were told entirely from the perspective of the serial killers and that they didn't really get caught. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, (laughs) because he got away for real. I I should say the reason I picked this movie for us is that I saw a list of holiday horror movies, and it said that this one had the most WTF ending in movie history. And, I mean... I, I'm Okay, eventually we'll get to the ending and we'll talk about it. I have thoughts about that. Uh-huh. It was pretty WTF. Yeah. It's true. I likened this movie in my head to Joker, which I've never seen and have no desire to. But, you know, that kind of movie was like a very, like a character study of someone going crazy and yes like american psycho yes it was very much like that and it was one of the most interesting things about it was how he was like wildly vacillating between completely losing his mind and murdering people and then in between that those scenes he would then like come across a group of children and he would mm-hmm. just be playing Santa Claus to this group of children. That's all he wanted to do was be Santa. I, I think that was all one and the same. It was Santa who is nice to the good kids, but also Santa who is very bad to the bad kids. Yes. I mean, toward the end, he says what I think is like the whole point of the movie. People don't want Santa. Like he wanted to become Santa because he wanted to be popular. He wanted to be loved. He wanted to be the guy that everyone was wanted to be friends with. But he also held on to that like very childish, like black and white seeking justice kind of thing. And yeah, he was like, people don't actually want Santa. They don't want to be judged as to whether they are good or bad <laughs> no, that's and, not and treated accordingly. Which, when he was talking about that, and as we were going through the whole end of the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, kids really kind of do want that. Like, kids mm-hmm. are very abrupt and blunt with how they meet out punishment within their yeah. social circles. 
And like, you know, when you watch children playing without adult interference, they kind of do this whole like judge and jury thing amongst themselves and they handle stuff like quickly. Harshly. Yes. <laughs> to the point of like banishment if you don't play by the rules or, you know, yeah, it's very extreme. And that w- it was interesting to see how that movie kind of pointed how this movie pointed that out and how as we become adults and we kind of understand the complexities of good and evil, we kind of tend to drift away from those extremes. Some of us, some Some of of us, us. not so much still got the death penalty in Texas. So what are you going to say? Yeah. This is the story of a man with some undiagnosed mental illness. And we begin the movie seeing how he got that way, I guess. That was my (laughs) biggest problem with the movie. It caused me to write down the note that let's remember that America was founded by Puritans who thought that Europe was too wild and crazy and that we (laughs) needed to lock it down. No, let me me rephrase. They thought that Victorian England (laughs) was too wild and crazy. And so they wanted to just lock that down. Yeah, he. so his reaction as a child to seeing his mom and his dad, who was dressed up as Santa, kind of getting it on in a very super mild way, like very mild way. His reaction reminded me of the cop in Wicker Man and mm-hmm. how he was like like curled up, cringing <laughs> and, and like shuddering in bed yeah. Because he was so distraught over the idea that someone else was having consensual sexual relations. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that sort of thing. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was very extreme. And and I sort of feel like the 80s had this idea of when they talked about serial killers, it was very much like, oh, they're created by, you know, sexual trauma that happens to them when they're young. Yeah. Like this. And I'm like, but okay, but this isn't that traumatizing. Like, yeah, Yeah. I get it, but they're not actually doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely an 80s trope for sure. The traumatized boy who later became grown-up Santa Claus had a brother named Phil who also sort of went through this, although he, I don't think he saw it. No, I don't think he, he didn't sneak down afterwards and see... Like, they saw Santa come down the Mm -hmm. chimney and, like, put presents and eat their cookies and whatever. And their mom was there with them and was like, hee-hee, look, Santa's real. Interesting bit about that is that they saw Santa actually poof down their chimney and poof back up at the end. Which didn't happen. Like, we we saw it in the movie, but that's not real. That Like, that's just their memories that we saw. I guess. Broken memories. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the the things parents do to make their kids believe in Santa. Yeah. But then he snuck down later because he heard noises and he snuck down and saw that, you know, mom and dad were getting frisky and dad still (laughs) had the Santa costume on. And I I mean, I guess in his brain, he was like eight maybe because his younger brother was six. Like, I don't know. Somehow that really upset him. And yeah, it was extreme. It felt weird like, it felt like a distraction from the actual situation, which was this kid had some mental health issues yeah. that clearly went undiagnosed for far too long. And that's part of what this is. Like, 
a lot of times you see stories about a serial killer or other psychopath and they live all by themselves and they don't interact with anybody. And whenever they do, people are like, what's with that guy? He's so nuts. Mm -hmm. But this is the other kind of story, I think, like Joker, again, never seen it, where it's about the psychopath, but he's fully a part of society and he's getting by. And so you see him interacting with all kinds of different groups of people and it just leaves me wondering, especially with this movie, how did this guy get a job? How did he get promoted? Right. Like, he he never acted normal or sane. No. And, I mean, I guess the, the idea was that this there was something about this, like, all the things that were building up. Like, he saw, he spied on his brother, and he saw his brother and his brother's wife, like, getting frisky again i'm like dude just stop like sneaking up on people like stop (laughs) spying on people and you wouldn't have to see all this there were some situations that happened at the toy factory where he worked where like people were talking about how they didn't believe in santa and like things that were triggering him but am i supposed to believe that this was the first time anyone had ever said i don't believe in santa like i hate christmas because it costs so much i have four kids like He never heard that before? There was nothing really explaining why the spiral began, but it didn't seem, it it didn't really just begin because his whole apartment was covered wall to wall in Santa insanity. Right. There was a definite obsession. And he had huge books. He had the good book, good boys and girls and naughty boys and girls. And like he was spying on all the kids around him. He spies on the neighborhood kids. Yeah. And he rates them as good or bad. And documents <laughs> the things that he sees that he doesn't like them doing. Mm-hmm. You know, kicks over trash cans, bullies other kids, negative body hygiene. Yes, that's I took a note of negative body hygiene. <laughs> Which was very closely related to anything, having anything to do with sex, I think. Yeah. Like that I was mean, his. He clearly yeah. had a big issue with sex. Yeah, he was he was not a normal functioning adult. And his brother knows this. Like yeah. that's the interesting thing, is everyone else seems to kind of not get it. Like he's just weird. His brother is very concerned. Like when he doesn't hear from him at the certain times that he should, he's like, Oh no, yeah. what is he doing? And He doesn't really like having him around his family. And like, he definitely knows there's something off with him. He was not surprised when his brother showed up in the Santa costume covered with blood (laughs) after seeing on the news that some dude dressed like Santa was killing people. And he was like, how many people did you kill? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that was kind of part of the, the weird sort of realism of this movie was that, that brother relationship where he was clearly kind of a caretaker but they didn't live together he wasn't really taking care of him Mm -hmm. he was just always checking in and like that's a real kind of relationship Mm -hmm. that you don't really see in movies and the portrayal of this crazed santa uh harry is his name that it was very realistic like he was he was weird and he said weird things. And one of the things that really got to me is that he had this idea he brought up a few times in the movie about how he he was playing a tune or he had figured out how to play the tune mm-hmm. and he just he found all the right notes and it's going to work. And no one ever knew what he was talking about including our favorite line in the movie <laughs> which we cannot <laughs> quote to you because we keep this PG yeah someone um, really didn't understand what he was talking about <laughs> that's his thing though like that's his in his head there's a tune and he's playing it 
And it's never explained at all. And that was like kind of a weirdly realistic thing. Like Uh he has this idea and we don't really know what it is. I think it was sort of tied to like the idea of marching to your own drum. Yeah. I think it was that sort of thing because he sort of, when he was talking to his brother, he's like, I I don't remember exactly how he said it, but I got the impression that his brother at some point had been like, you just have to be normal, like just act like other (laughs) people and had somehow put it in the phrase of music yeah. And that that that's what that had become. Like I need to I need to discover the tune. Becoming Santa was that tune. That was the thing that was going to make people like him. He thought that would be normal. <laughs> yeah, cuz he was not he was not clicked in on what mm-hmm. other people considered normal behavior. Yeah. Um but really, yeah, he would go like there were whole scenes where he's he's just being the like Christmas party Santa. Everybody yeah. thinks everybody thinks he's been invited there to play Santa and he's living that up and he loves those moments. But then there's always the thing where someone doesn't believe or mm-hmm. like yeah, or it's the people that he's mad at and so in between these party Santa events, he's also sneaking off to kill the dude who worked at the toy factory and didn't believe in christmas and yeah like it was so all over the place but like you're saying in a very realistic way as you're watching someone kind of spiral down into madness yeah and 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 lose touch with reality which is where the wtf ending (laughs) like makes sense but doesn't make sense all at the same time yes well first of all to get to this ending people on the street realize that he's the murderer and they within seconds managed to light up a set of torches and run after him. Like this is Frankenstein. That was (laughs) so weird, especially like they realize who he is. Cause this is his neighbors and stuff. It's the parents of all the kids he's been spying on. Yeah. And so he has all these kids who he considers good kids. They're all in the good book. So he is treating them well. Mm hmm. And the parents, because they've been told by the cops, quote, if you see anyone dressed like Santa. <laughs> Good luck. So, like, we see scenes of, of lineups of all the, yeah. like, like uh, department store Santas being pulled in and questioned. But so they see him, they realize he's the dude, and yet they all stand... Like, it was very stilted, like a sharks and jets sort of thing. Like, they're yeah. all standing on the other side of the the stage going, oh, he has our children. Oh, he's a bad guy. And, and the like, children, like, glommed onto him. Not only that, but when the parents started getting upset, they were, like, standing in front of him. Uh-huh. Like, no, this is Santa. Like, we're going to protect yeah. him. The the little girl... Yeah, the one whose note in the good book is just a darling. Just a darling. <laughs> That's that what was she's done. The entirety of her personality. <laughs> yes. Like, she ends up picking up a knife and, like, brandishing it at her dad. She's, like, six years old. And that is not darling behavior <laughs> no. at all. But, you know, Santa likes when he's protected <laughs> by children, I guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like the whole thing was so bizarre. And then for them to get their pitchforks, it just kept escalating past any kind of reality into bizarro world. And that makes me wonder, did they do that? Or was that what he was imagining in his head? That yeah, they were all know. after him like one would go after a monster in 
a movie. Yeah, that's a that's a possibility because it was really weird that they had torches and they lit them up like they right. were just hanging out and then they found torches. Right. And did that little girl brandish a knife at her dad? Like did any of this happen? This was so much of an unreliable narrator that now I'm questioning like all the things. That is an interesting thought. Yeah. And that's sort of the the bookend because we haven't gotten to the WTF ending yet, which is that he's driving off in his van, which he's painted a Christmas sleigh on. Uh And it's snowy and the roads are bad. Yeah. And he's almost runs into the crowd of torch wielders. I can't believe he didn't run them down. Like, come on, Santa, get with the program. (laughs) But he, you know, he swerves to avoid them and he goes off a bridge so you would assume he would fall to his death at that point. One would assume, but not Santa. Not, not Santa. Santa's sleigh. No. No, sir. His sleigh flies off into the sky. Yes. Just as you would expect. Yes. Which <laughs> makes sense if he, if we are seeing his delusion. We're not yes. seeing what's really happening. And there was a comment on, I don't even know where I saw this, but people were saying that there are sounds there, which I did not check, of an explosion or whatever like mm. like you could hear underneath all the christmas music that he went off the bridge and died uh-huh. and like this was separate from that but also those sounds could easily have been from his brother who was chasing after him on foot and was like sliding and falling into a pile of boxes at the time yes yes his brother who earlier had tried to strangle him to death that's true i forgot in front that. of his children yeah. While he was dressed as Santa. Like, that was one of my notes. Is like, the number of kids in this movie who have been severely messed up by watching terrible things happen to Santa or done by Santa. Yeah. Like, there's Christmas in this city is going to be messed up for a yeah. long time. But we have that. This is this is a bookend because the very beginning of the movie, we see Santa's whoosh down the chimney and whoosh back up a chimney, mm-hmm. which wasn't real. Mm-hmm. And here at the end, he flies off, and that's not real. And everything in between is just flat reality, as far as we know. That's what I'm but, saying. Though. Right? Yeah. Was it? It's not presented know. as unrealistic enough for us to know that couldn't happen. But yeah. It's a it's a bit of a mystery. Yeah, I mean, it makes it explains the like over the topness of so much of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Like even the scene where he's walking through the neighborhood and the streets are literally lined with light up Christmas things. Yes, this, that was insane. All I could think was, who put those out there? <laughs> Who's paying that electric bill? Like. <laughs> I mean, I know that there are communities and people who go like over the top decorating, but maybe that wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, it it felt really extreme, like it was delusional. Yes, like he was fading away yes. there towards the end. That's super interesting because I don't know that I really picked up on all of that as I was watching because I was just so like, "What's <laughs> happening now? What's happening now? Where yeah. is he now?" Um, who are those people? Because it wasn't one of those stories where like you have, you know, seven characters who keep interacting in lots of different ways. Like every yeah. time he went somewhere new, he was interacting with a new set of people. And I kept waiting for like, 
where's the factory guy going to show up again? And like, Mm -hmm. I kept trying to make it all fit together and it just wasn't, it was just kind of this very sprawling story, but it kept getting weirder and weirder. And that, that makes sense. Yeah. And then you think about, he brought a truckload of presents, which he stole from people's houses and from the toy factory. And from the toy yes. factory. Anyone he thought didn't deserve the presents that they had or the toys that they had. Yeah. He stole them all and took them to this children's hospital. And he had a rough start there. But once he got introduced to the people there, they loved him. They're like, oh, my gosh, you brought us all these great presents. Mm-hmm. Yay. And they ended it with like, oh, bye, Santa. Oh, it's so wonderful. And he's got his... Merry Christmas voice and ho, 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 and he's off into the night. Mm -hmm. And it was very idyllic, and it was probably not real. Probably not. I didn't think that at the time. Even the party that he went to later, where Mm -hmm. he's like dancing inside the circle of singing people, and and everyone was so happy. Everybody loved him there. Right? Like, did any of that happen? If it did happen, what were the faces of those people really like as he was forcing himself into dance, you know, forcing these women and children to dance with him. Like, yeah. So curious now. (laughs) I mean, we don't get to find out because there's no footage of that. No, I know. But like, even to watch it again, I wonder if there's like subtleties of like, if you look at the expressions of the people in the background who aren't right up next to him, like what, I mean, if you really were making a good movie, that's what you would do. But I don't know. This is from the 80s, so. It's, yeah, it's a little clunky. Yeah. There were a couple of other things I want to point out or I want to mention. One is about halfway through the movie, he puts a fake beard on. And the sheer joy on his face (laughs) as he puts the beard on. And and like, we were commenting on how, like, he didn't even wait for the glue to dry. And it was like totally stuck on. And I was like, it really looks like it's actually his beard at this point. Like that's an amazing fake beard. Yeah, it wasn't. That's just what he saw. But the body euphoria that he experienced when he put that Santa beard on and he's like looking in the mirror and he's like giggling and saying, it's me, it's me. Like, yeah, that's who he felt he was. And, like, it was such an interesting moment to see that expressed and to see it happening in a movie I know is from the 80s. Because that whole idea of body euphoria and dysphoria is something that comes up a lot now. (laughs) Because, you know, that's such a thing that we talk about a lot is how people identify and how people, what they feel like inside and how they make their outsides feel the same as their insides. But to see this happen in this movie from the 80s was, like, I just kind of thought that was cool. Yeah, it's, of course, like other movies from the 80s, it takes the person who feels their outside doesn't match their inside and says, that person's a crazed killer. For sure. For sure. That is a very 80s move. It made me think of, you know, we've been watching, kind of slowly working our way through the um, Queer for Fear documentary on Shudder. And it's talking about, like, LGBTQIA plus culture in horror movies, particularly like very early horror movies where it was all about, you know, like you just said, the folks that stand outside the norm being ostracized and mistreated and, and treated like they were monsters. This very much fell into that. The other thing I wanted to mention was toward the end, right before Phil 
the little brother, strangles Harry, the Santa brother. Harry says to him, like, Phil is like, I was six. Like, I don't know what you wanted from me at that time. Like, clearly, you know, there's this whole thing. He didn't believe in Santa the same way that Harry did or whatever. And he's like, I was six. You know, he's like trying to explain. And Harry says, you never did believe in me. And that's (laughs) such an interesting double line. Yeah. Because in that moment, he considers himself to be Santa. So he's like, you didn't believe in Santa. You didn't believe in me. But he's also kind of saying, at no point in my life have you believed me? Have you supported me? Have you understood me? You've always wanted me to be something different. And that was like, it was a weirdly poignant line, given who it was coming from (laughs) and the context in which I was hearing it. I was like, kind of heartbroken for him, but also like, dude, you murdered a lot of people. That's not okay. Yeah. He didn't murder that many. It's probably like four or five. I mean, there were three or four of them outside the church. Yeah. But there weren't very many others. Frank from the toy factory he went to his bedroom and murdered him like right next to his wife while he was sleeping his wife didn't even bother to wake up as he's like strangling frank was that it it felt like more (laughs) (laughs) it felt like he was doing a lot of murdering well and that was an interesting bit is he at one point before he goes out on his santa adventures he basically forges a tin soldier And I think that's the weapon he used to kill the guy in front of the church. Oh, yeah. It was a tin soldier with a very long sword, and he (laughs) just stabbed that sword right into the guy's eye. So, I mean, my thought on that, though, is like he created that with the intent of it being a weapon. Like, he's like, Mm. I'm going to need something to stab people with. Mm -hmm. Cole was not a a punishment enough in his mind. So uh, it's, that's interesting. Like he did not really, I don't know. He didn't stick with Santa properly. He's just like, yeah, and I better be carrying some weaponry. I feel like it's not completely out of line for him to think Santa saying, you better be good, isn't enough because look at the world. Look at the world. Look at the world. I think he's right. Dude, you can't go around stabbing people in the eye. With little tin soldiers. Not in the eye. No. It's not okay. Ratings. I feel better about this movie after we've talked about it. Like, I think I appreciate it more now that we've had this conversation. That happens to me all the time. I did not appreciate this movie while we were watching it. Yeah. It was not at all what I was expecting. I think I was expecting like a Santa slasher movie. I was, definitely. And what we got was this like weirdly slow descent into madness movie, which was really, when I think about it in those terms, I feel like it was well done, but it was not what I was expecting. So then I was like, this is a terrible Santa slasher movie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it reminded me of The Stylist. (gasps) Ah, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We reviewed that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, okay. It did. And I don't, I think I felt the same way about that one. Like, this is not my favorite kind of movie. Like, I don't really need to watch people go crazy. 
Yeah. But it was interesting for what it was. It was super well done. I think he he portrayed this character so well. Like the the slide from from mostly okay <laughs> like he's functioning in the world. He just lives in like a really Christmassy apartment <laughs> yeah. and spies on kids from afar. Yeah. Um kind of guy to the kind of guy that uh, a younger brother would try to strangle with his bare hands in front of his children because that's the best option in it's the moment. Just, that's just <laughs> where we've ended up. Like he did all of the everything in between so well that it was it was a very smooth transition from one to the other. And now that we've talked out the fact that most of the things that we saw happening weren't actually happening and were just his delusion of what was happening. It all makes more sense to me and, and I can appreciate it for what it is. Like then it was like really artistically done. I didn't pick up on that from the <laughs> beginning. And I don't know if that's a me problem or a movie problem. I didn't either. Um, so I don't know, but I guess I'm going to give Christmas evil Four rigidly constructed toys out of five. <laughs> yes, that's important. It's very important. Because for what it is and when it's from, it's really impressive. And I think it's kind of one of those like classic turning points in storytelling, maybe. Like, I don't know. If if you were to say there was the the Christmas horror movie oeuvre. <laughs> this is an important piece of that. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's very niche. And I don't think it would appeal to most people. But I I don't know. I'm going to give it four out of five anyway. Just because I appreciate it for the uh, skill and talent and art that it is. Yeah. I was... Impressed while watching, like you said, with the mainly the acting of the uh, serial killer. Mm-hmm. It's not something I really need to watch, but it's very well done. Outside of that, there was a lot of, you know, cheesy, low-budget 80s movie craziness. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting that it was kind of the artistic quality film that it was, given that it was also like a weird ridiculous 80s vhs movie you know like i it's so strange i think it i think it was better written and acted than it deserved to be so i won't say it was a great movie but it was it had elements that were surprisingly good Mm -hmm. and so i would award it three rigidly constructed toys out of five putting it right in the middle there okay Okay. Some good and some bad. It was a very slow build. Yeah. I will say that. There were times where I'm just like, is something (laughs) going to happen? We spent like 10 minutes watching him fail to go down the chimney of some kid's house. That was one of my notes was that was another thing. This movie is like cinema verite. (laughs) He climbed up on the roof of someone's house. And tried to go down the chimney, only to discover that chimneys are not big enough for people. He got stuck, thereby proving our theory that the thing that happened in Gremlins that the girlfriend was talking about didn't happen. He almost got... I thought the movie was going to end with him freezing to death stuck in that (laughs) chimney. Because he came close. Yeah, he he was really... He was starting to panic a little. He pulled himself out. 
And it's something you don't see in movies where he tried this one thing, he realized it doesn't work, and he left and went in a different way into the house. And it was like, movies normally would skip that scene because we don't need to see him try and fail at something and then do something else. Like, it's yeah. it's weirdly real. Yeah. Well, and it kind of... It- and when you think about it, like, okay, he needed to go down the chimney because he's Santa and that's what Santa does. And so then I think like getting stuck in the chimney kind of was a slap in the face by reality of yeah. like, it kind of interfered with his delusion a little bit. And then you wonder like, okay, what does that say when he was like, all right, well, I can't go down the chimney to go murder Frank. I'm going <laughs> to go in a different way because he had to go murder Frank. Like, I mean, come on. There's, yeah, like what what were his ultimate driving goals and what, you know, what was he really trying to do? And what does that say about his sanity and his insanity? And all of that is like very interesting. Yeah, and Frank called him a schmuck, so. I mean, and, and tricked him into taking his shift. Yeah. It was his ultimate crime. <laughs> <laughs> it was. He goes in the bad book. Yep. Well, so that wraps this movie review up. We still have one more Christmas caper. Caper. That's it. We still have one more Christmas caper to share with you. (laughs) And that will be coming to you next week. I cannot wait. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. One and all. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. That whole thing where he was trying to figure out how to say Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, he had to he had to figure that one out. It was pretty funny. Alright. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Yes, 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 I think, don't laugh at me when I say yes, yes, I said it again and you laughed again, okay, yes, okay, well that was just meant to make me laugh, yeah.